The Lord said to Moses, I will bring judgment on all the gods in the land so that my wonders may multiply. This is the key to understanding God's plan behind the disasters. Ten plagues against ten false gods men has made for themselves. This is the ninth plague from the book of Exodus chapter 10. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand to the sky so the darkness spreads over Egypt. Darkness that can be felt. So Moses stretched out his hand to the sky and total darkness covered all of Egypt for three days. No one could see anyone else or move about for three days. Yet all the Israelites had light in the places where they lived. Then Pharaoh asked for Moses and said, Go, worship the Lord, even your women and children may go with you. Only leave your livestock behind. Remember, at this point, Pharaoh had no livestock left of his own in his possession. They all died, either by the plague or by the hailstorm. But Moses said, You must allow us to have sacrifice and burnt offerings to present to the Lord our God. Our livestock must also go with us. Not a hoof is to be left behind. We have to use some of them in worshiping the Lord our God. And until we arrive there, we will not know what we are to use to worship the Lord. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he was not willing to let them go. Pharaoh said to Moses, Get out of my sight. Make sure you do not appear before me again. The day you see my face again, you will die. Moses replied, As you say, I will never appear before you again. This is the ninth plague. As God instructed Moses and by his doing, the sky turned completely dark for three days over all the land, except for the Israelites where they lived, where there was light, because they worshiped God. This is a peculiar plague that disturbed even the daylight cycle. Uh, let's not forget that the ancient Egyptians worshipped the sun as one of their gods, their highest no less. So for the daylight to be shut out for three days, it really adds to that dramatic exclamation that the Lord God of the Hebrews is the greatest living God above even these things. He can even shut out the light. Most Bible scholars will note that this is no ordinary darkness because it is described as a darkness that can be felt. It's difficult to surmise how darkness can be felt based on little description uh, we have given by the biblical account here. Darkness that can be felt, I suspect it is a dreadfully terrifying thing when you can feel darkness not as a color to be seen or register in your eyes, but the absence of light felt on your skin. It's a true and real horror when everyone else on a different side live peacefully with full and nominal daylight. I'm sure there's a sense of depressing entrapment there. But this horrific experience of feeling darkness um, should not come as a surprise either if there was any involvement with the occult like that was in the third plague. So this plague, the ninth plague, in the darkness, is really about faith and going to worship God with faith. It's highlighted in the middle section of this part of the Bible. Moses said, Until we get there, get to worship God. 
we will not know what we are to use to make the sacrifice, how we are to worship God. So when we get there, we will know. But for now, we don't know. So we are bringing everything there. So Pharaoh, you must let us bring our livestock because we don't know how to worship God until we get there. So we are bringing everything. It was a heart of worship that drives Moses' bargaining with Pharaoh. Moses was negotiating for religious freedom to worship God. And the terms this time were economical terms. Livestock. We've covered the economical value of livestock in the other plague, in the fifth plague of another episode. Moses said, let us go worship God the way God has commanded us. He was really trusting God and going by what he was instructed to do. And so he said it plainly in front of Pharaoh. It was a heart of worship by faith and trusting God because Moses didn't know. He explicitly said, we don't know what we will use to worship God. So Moses will go to worship by faith. It takes faith to worship God without knowing. Without knowing all the details or explanations until we go. Until we go and until we finally arrive. This is what we see in the way Moses dialogue with the Pharaoh. He didn't know all the details, but he will go. And when he arrives, he believes that he will know by the time he arrives at God. It takes faith to worship God without knowing all the details or explanations. For Moses, I believe it's not about having the livestock. For all intended purposes, the Hebrew were leaving into the wilderness anyway. There's plenty of animals in the wild to be found and caught and domesticated that way. For Moses, I believe it's not about having the livestock, but it's a matter of faith and going to God well prepared for worship. Because he doesn't know completely what he's walking into when he goes to worship God. So he brings everything to God just in case. This is the faith of Moses. Faithfulness in trusting God without knowing all the details. Faithfulness in loyalty with everything and everyone that he's bringing to God. That's worship by faith. And this is where the light and darkness motif of this play comes into play. Of seeing and not seeing. Going to God not seeing by sight, but by faith in the heart Darkness overcame Pharaoh and the whole land of Egypt. Moses did not know how he would worship God, but he was living in the light. No one can see anything if there's no light, and not seeing is not knowing. But Moses chose to trust in God by faith, so he doesn't need to see, or he doesn't need to know how he's supposed to worship. And that's okay, because by faith he trusts in God that God will lead the way for him. Not knowing how to worship God is like being in the dark. But the light that Moses had was trusting the God he was obeying and going to. Pharaoh, on the other hand, doesn't want to see God or Moses. He'd rather be in the dark. He said, get out of my sight. Make sure you don't appear before me again. If God is light, he'd rather be in the dark. And that ruined him. 
Moses, on the other hand, wants to see God. He would go the full distance with every preparation for this meeting in every way possible. He was really preparing to meet with God and worship and bring everyone and everything. Moses would want to see God, even if he would go blind after seeing God once. In the end, he came pretty close to seeing God with his own two eyes, closer than any of us could ever say, but we didn't know that yet while in Egypt. God's judgment through the plague of light and darkness illustrated the difference between these two men as leaders and the kind of influence they had over their people. One of them can't stand to see or know anything about God. The other one can't wait to see God and will make every preparation to go and see him in the best possible way. Both of them will lead their respective people into consequences accordingly. And the bottom line question for each person, every person, is this. Do you wish to meet and see and know God? If your answer is no, you can see for yourself Pharaoh's end. He and his whole nation. It is written in the pages of history how they lose, how much they have lost. And they were about to lose more when they pursue the Hebrew to no avail into the Red Sea and lose again, all because they refuse to bow or worship God, all because Pharaoh refused to see or know God. But if your answer is yes, that you wish to meet and see and know God more, you can do as Moses did. Make every preparation of the very best to meet your high and mighty God. Bring your families, bring your possessions, bring your everything. You don't need to have all the answers to get to know God. You don't need to have answers now to get to God. The whole point is getting to God with no answers so that he can give you the right ones. So bring your questions too. If you fear God, let him answer you. And when you arrive before God to worship Him, then you will know how to worship Him in each of these things that you have brought to Him. He is the God that does great signs over all the earth. His obedient people He protects. His adversaries He will judge. I hope you do look forward to meeting and knowing God and bring all of yourself to Him. And no matter how little or much you have to bring in life before God, the greatest thing you can bring is your faith and allegiance to Jesus Christ. Bring your faith in Jesus Christ to God. That is the greatest thing that you can bring to God. Because there is no greater sacrifice before God than His very own Son, whom He provided for all mankind. The blood of Jesus is, according to God, sufficient to wipe away all the guilt and sins of the world for those who trust in Him and love Him. So make your allegiance true and known and worship Him. In the name of Jesus, bow and acknowledge that He is the Lord and He is God. Moses didn't know how he was about to worship, but he was about to get to know his God more more intimately and personally. 
you can come to worship God and know Jesus more. Moses displays a very profound leadership. It is a spiritual leadership, and leadership can be spiritual. All leadership should be spiritual to some degree. He didn't say we will bring this because this is what we will use to worship God. No, 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 no. What Moses said was, "We will bring this because we don't know how we will worship God when we meet Him." It wasn't a case where Moses had a proposition that says, "Here's the goal. This is the plan, and this is how we're going to accomplish." It was more like the goal is to worship. Here's the plan, but by the time we get to God, we don't even know if anything would line up with God. But we're going this way anyway. We don't know. Moses said, "We don't know. That's the way we're going." That's a strange way to lead by any standard, be it marketing, business, or church, by saying we don't know and this is the way where we're going. Moses was going by faith. He knew confidently that God was the light that he was in. He was not in the dark at all. According to his plans, he brings everything to God, and knowing full well to let God change his plans when everyone arrived to God and worship. Faith. It is a recall to the moment Abraham brought his own son up the mountain for sacrifice, obediently, or according to the plans that were already set in place. But when he arrived, when he arrived at God, God provided otherwise, and an angel stayed his hand to sacrifice his own son. That is faith on Abraham's part. That is faith, and that is worship, not merely in the thing to be sacrificed. But in how we approach God, trusting Him, without knowing how that sacrifice is to be used. This is very profound spiritual leadership. It is a leadership that is confident while not knowing, because he knows the trustworthy God. It is leadership, but it is spiritual because it leans lively on God. A leadership that is also led spiritually by God, in a living conversation of being with God and knowing God. Moses was counting on seeing and hearing from God about His command and His will. To worship God cannot be treated like a science with formulas or agendas set in stone. Worship is commuting and cultivating. A living relationship with the living God every moment, every step of the way. All the Church of Jesus Christ needs leadership that is spiritual, aiming at worship. Leadership can be very self-resourceful at times. We have budgets, we have standardized methods, we have our traditions, our teachings, policies, cultures, missions, models, many resources, and all of this is very good. So we will bring all of it to God to worship, but we will not know how God will demand from each of these to be used for worship until we arrive. So the question is, how will you know? How will you know how to use anything to worship God at all? You will know by getting there, arriving at God to worship. No worship, no use of anything that you bring. No worship, no use of anything that you bring. Worship first. No worship, no use of reinventing or making or doing anything 
no worship, no use of making any kind of sacrifice to serve God. A great obstacle to every person's faith in Christ is the self-awareness of individual capacity, being aware of what you could do. God has given mankind abilities to do and perform great things as individuals and societies. Then we so conveniently forget about God and just turn our faith inwardly to ourselves, into our own capacities and abilities. That's an obstacle to faith. Humanism, to put it bluntly, humanism turns the focus inwardly to man without rejecting the deity of God. The notion dangerously parades human abilities as motivational encouragement to supersede man above God as idolatry. Humanism. So God has brought on plagues and darkness upon an entire nation to judge all the false gods in the land. In John 15.5, Jesus says, Apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing. Apart from Jesus Christ, no one can do anything. Nothing of any value that will last unless we abide in Jesus Christ. Since at the end of life, we all come under his judgment. And Jesus Christ alone can give righteousness that gives eternal life. That is something of eternal significance. In this plague, when all the world felt a visible darkness, as the Egyptians could describe it, the people of God experienced the comfort of daylight like usual. We are in some very dark times and Dark times are not to be feared when you live constantly in the light. And if that's too poetic for you, these are dark times that we live in because we recognize the evil and the horrid that we see driving this world forward. And the evil that we've all done in this world. The law of God has laid it bare, like a conviction read to a guilty defendant in the court of law. God's court of God's law in all the earth. And the law of God is different from all the laws of any government on earth. This we typically call sin. So when there is moral evil and spiritual darkness in all the world, there's a spiritual light you can find inwardly known by faith in God. And from this present darkness, we will emerge again most importantly, to worship God. This podcast and the whole series on the 10 plagues was conceived during the COVID-19 worldwide pandemic, which has been presently continuous at the time of this recording, like a plague infecting and killing many, affecting and changing the way of life of almost everyone causing many, unfortunately not all nations and cities, to enforce necessary quarantines, lockdowns, social safety measures like distancing and precautions, churches as the place of public gathering to worship God across the globe are closed for practical reasons, and the way we find spiritual support has been changing. And how we will come out of quarantine to worship again, we are not fully certain. More important than coming out of quarantine is coming out of a moral darkness of sin and evil. And the plagues which God has sent exposes many sin and evil 
and worship of false idols in this world. That's the Exodus account. That's the real meaning behind Exodus. That's the real purpose and intention behind the Exodus. To exit and worship. And the Bible speaks, and the Bible speaks even today in this way. We will emerge and worship God. How we will worship, we do not know yet. But we will know when we come to God, and we will bring everything. Until we get there, we will not know what we are to use to worship the Lord, and that's okay. Because once we arrive at God to worship, we will worship Him again the way He desires it. With new spiritual revelations affirmed by the Word of God in the Bible. In the next and final episode of this series of the Ten Plagues, we examine the earth-shattering, eyebrow-raising, jaw-dropping plague which came from God to kill all the firstborn sons of a nation and how God continued to remain faithful by his claim to judge all the false gods in the lands and do terrifying and wonderful signs 